Welcome to the Televerse, streaming in place. Lodge 49. Welcome back to the Mystic Chords of Memory. Uh, I want to thank Gil for that entrancing presentation on Phydro and uh, the perils of capitalism and the evils of the pyramid scheme. Uh, I, too, feel there's just no future out there. Um, next up, we have Streaming in Place. Uh, I'm Allison Shoemaker, joined, as ever, by Noel Kirkpatrick, um, uh, who uh, is the inventor of Bitcoin, uh, and Kate Kulzik, the night swimmer. <laughs> and, um, and we're here to talk about... Uh, some estranged stepmothers, um, some Antarctic landscapes, um, some great mysteries, uh, and uh, I think probably mostly about Jackie Loomis. So, um, yeah, uh, did I invent Bitcoin today, or did I invent it back in the sixties? <laughs> I think you invented it back in the sixties. Okay. Um, I, the patriarchy man, uh, I loved this episode so much, and I'm so excited to talk about it. Uh, I, as always, as is my habit, saved it until about an hour ago. And since then, I've just been like, ah, riding real high. And I cannot wait to hear your thoughts on Circles, our backstory episode that isn't just a backstory episode, uh, but is also a talent show and a quest and like a surreal trip through the deserted basement of Orbis. We learned about another kind of invented currency because all currencies invented. There's a lot that goes on, um, but I do think we should start with Jackie Loomis. So your thoughts on Jackie Loomis, her incredible costumes, her amazing hair, um, and her uh, pretty tragic fate, I like to think. Or not like to think, I think. Um, so I want to know if I'm going to be alone on this, because I feel like this episode is going to be a bunch of me saying, I think that counts as a cold dish. And you guys saying that doesn't count as a cold dish. <laughs> um, but I think that Noel gets a cold dish with all of this Jackie stuff, because he was talking about, like, people from before coming back. And, and he was saying, like, if I knew Captain wasn't, if I didn't know Captain wasn't coming back, I'd be like, if so... It's not an it. It's not a called it, but it's an ish right. because it's the same thing. So I think Noel gets a called ish on that. There are several other that will others that will come up as we're talking, but um, but getting to spend that time. Oh, and then also our conversation about like the time loop episode. What would it be? You know, this this yeah. has that very much that feel. Mm-hmm. Sure, sure, sure. sure. Um, but Jackie's great. Really like this episode. There's so much to dive in with, and um, yeah, Jackie's great. Let's just start with that. <laughs> She yeah. is great. Um, top to bottom, like really, really great. Um, and I really appreciated how, oh, what was his name? Wallace. I really appreciate the wider view we get of him so that Larry's whole read of him as a child is just spot on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Larry, apparently. Larry had Wally's number immediately. He, he knows how to read people. <laughs> so I really appreciated that. Um, but yeah, Jackie's just, really beautiful and tragic like you were saying Alice and just this really tragic figure um within everything but also this person who found a meaning and a dedication to the lodge um and just was not rewarded for it the way that she thought she would be um which is speaks generally pretty well of most things within overarching ideas of right before we got started with the Bitcoin thing with the patriarchy, man. And exactly like everything gets stolen and taken away from her throughout this episode. Um, and it's horrible to watch. Um, 
while also I think being one of the best episodes the show's done. So um, I just, I really, really liked it. And I liked the general arc of thinking she found a way out and then did not find a way out and ended up needing to still ending up trapped basically again. Um, And just how sad that was, but also just that I'm having problems putting it into words, but I just really, I found it really very moving and I I, I really liked it. I'm going to stop talking. (laughs) It's such a long walk to get from, yeah, some folks tell war stories, but only the funny ones, not the ones you dream about. Then, then to end with that is just like brutal gut. Um, and how Jackie gets folded into that weird quasi not a punchline punchline is really, really good. Yeah. Um, yeah. I want to hear Kate's specific thoughts on, on Jackie before I dive into this one too, because I've got lots of them, but no, I agree with everything you just said. I do think, you know, obviously there's quite a bit of tragedy, right? Uh, in this episode and with, what we see Jackie dealing with and like the choices she's presented. We don't know if there are other choices that she's not seeing and she's closing herself off from, but the choices that are presented that she presents to the audience through her book, right. Um, are pretty shitty ones. And she's just doing her best to navigate between them. Um, but for me, I don't know the, I thought the ending was actually, horrible but beautiful because imagine she wasn't there for him obviously he had lots of issues and he conned like a bunch of people and you know there's all sorts of problems that larry had um you know in in how he ran the lodge but he also brought a lot of joy into a lot of people's lives and he was only able to do that because he had someone there for him when he really needed it so for me that's actually really beautiful and lovely yeah um i agree i think it's that scene is really what makes the episode for me. And and that's not totally true because there are a few moments where I'm like, well, that is exquisite. That is funny and strange and deeply moving. And I don't totally know why always like it's one of those, you can't quite always articulate what it is about it. That's so powerful, but blaze uh, pulling that shark tooth out of Dud's <laughs> leg and Liz with the snow in her hair and Connie and Ernie and Scott's song and the cover of the song at the end, like all of that stuff is really exquisite. Um, But the, the beauty of Jackie being able to be there for her son when she needs him most the connective tissue between Larry and a lot of the other people in the lodge, all really beautiful and moving. But then you combine the fact that, that Jackie found this, purpose and this strength and this um sense of curiosity and discovery and and possibly also really powerful important things um and first had someone else think that he was the one that found all of that right someone that was supposed to love her um to then turn to someone else who seemed to really love her and understand her and was also just using her for that information and as opposed to not being able to translate it the implication to me and I'm curious in your thoughts on this seems to be that they did actually find something valuable um that they were able to weaponize and I don't know what it was and it but it, but it doesn't even really matter because what matters is Jackie thinks that 
Jackie thinks they were able to take the information, the parabola group was able to take the information in the scrolls and weaponize it. And ultimately in her mind, um, indirectly contributed directly to her son's turmoil, right? Like that, I just, I find it so upsetting and beautiful at the same time. Like a lot of the other moments, like, like how is it that Blaze pulling a shark tooth out of Dud's infected leg felt like, like a birth scene, Mm -hmm. like, rapturously beautiful and also so disturbing it was the parasite take two. Oh my god it was yeah but it was also it's also like a literal sort of like almost kind of a birth as well because you've got dud crawling through a a canal of some kind a court that little shoot um and then them crashing down after the removal of the tooth itself um so there's like a weird series of like births and rebirths almost happening across here down to just maybe a connection rebirth between blaze and dud um to hopefully 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 dud going to a doctor Dud's gonna have to go to the hospital now (laughs) yeah well and you know this is a televerse pet peeve but you know he's his wound is infected but it's not necessarily infected because of the shark tooth. That's not how this stuff works. You don't need to take a bullet out, you know, depending on, you know, where it is. Plenty of people live with bullets in their, you know, bodies at various points. Uh, and it's just better to just leave it in there. So just because there's a foreign object doesn't mean that's what the problem is. And now Dud's fine. Yeah. Hopefully. But it could have also been the source of the infection anyway, though, because who knows what was on that tooth. Yeah. But he didn't have an infection when he left the hospital and that tooth was in there. So it got infected over time because he stopped taking his meds. So, you know, regardless of what the show wants us to think is real um, around medicine, um, the the takeaway here is uh, for me is, okay, thank goodness. Now he's pretty much going to have to go to some level of doctor and, you know, and get checked out and that will help. It had to get really bad before he would seek out Blaze and then in seeking out Blaze, you know, get, get all of this information and, you know, whatever's going to come next. But um but yeah, I just can't see it's just like, you know, anytime like, we got to get the bullet. No, you don't. You don't have to get the bullet. And that's not <sighs> my similar pet peeve is clean babies, speaking of births. Yes. When, yeah. when a squeaky clean baby gets handed to a new mother or parents, yeah. that, that always gets my goat. <laughs> um, but, uh, but yeah, I agree. This, this, the imagery throughout this episode, it, it's, there's a lot of birth and birth and death imagery. There's, I mean, that's another one of our call dishes. I think Allison, that you get a call dish on Liz uh, in hitting rock bottom, hitting the bottom because she may not have hit the bottom, but she went through the bottom <laughs> You know I what's funny? Dirty I, and so did Dud. Dirty water. I um I thought you were gonna say I got a call dish because the way that I read that scene of Liz's is that at least in some spiritual sense, she entered the lodge because they talk about there being a lodge at Antarctica. Um so that so 
like Dud, she fell through the floor and found a ton and also found like a secret area of Orbis, right? But she fell through the floor, found a tunnel, crawled through the tunnel, found herself somewhere new. And that place happened to be Antarctica, which to me says Lodge. So I thought yeah. my call dish was going to be Liz in the Lodge, but I like this one too. <laughs> Right? This episode giveth so much. It does. Well, and then you have to wonder if Jackie's, um, you know, Scott mentions predictions in his song, and Jackie says that she wants her story to travel with the corp, sorry, the corpus of a man so that it's more likely to be taken seriously, which... uh, sweet gentle blaze mm-hmm. um was like the best keeper of jackie's story like i i also am worried about blaze like ernie but i'm so but i'm so glad that the person that found jackie's story is that gentle man um but her saying that she hopes that when the person who's supposed to take up her mental and, and find the lodge shows up when maybe she'll show up someday and read that story so then the question becomes is she talking about connie is she talking about liz is she talking about both of them like, is it neither of no. them? Does it matter? It's just beautiful. It's Daphne. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I'm so glad that other people saw the snow, by the way. I was about to be so frustrated until they're like, is that snow? And I was like, yes! It's asbestos. I thought, I thought they were going to be like, yeah, it's like soot or so, you know. So, yeah. Yeah. It's lovely. The night No, summer. it's really good that it's snow. Um, And it's like one of the reasons why I'm like, no, we, we have to wait for Allison to come back before we can discuss the next episode, because how can we not discuss the next episode without Allison? Um, but yeah, I just, I don't know where else to keep going because there's just so much here to kind of like pick at really. Um, and yeah. So what do we think about Connie and Ernie? I think it's lovely, and I think this is a much better place that they find themselves in than the last time they broke up. Um, so, yeah. It, this one this one feels like something, you know? Mm-hmm. In a way that the last one didn't. Um, last one didn't feel like it was going to stick. This one feels like it's, at least for now, going to stick. Um, I also was just very excited to see her digging into the storage closet and what that's going to mean for us in future episodes. But That stuff links. <laughs> so good. As and I will say, as soon as she pulled out like that Orbis coin, um, I just looked at my partner and went, "It's Bitcoin. Orbis invented Bitcoin." And then they actually invented Bitcoin later on in the episode. <laughs> I was so delighted with myself. Yeah, I wish that you had texted us that so that you could have gotten a proper call bit yeah. on that. Because um, man, I laughed so hard. I think one of my favorite things about this episode is I found it really. Oh, I mean, I'm also listener. I'm moving very unexpectedly um, with pretty short notice. So I am underslept, overstressed and pretty emotional. So I'm not sure I would have reacted quite as strongly to this episode in other circumstances, but I still it still really got me. Um, and one of the things I loved about it so much was that I would be just terrified for Dud or marveling at what Liz was experiencing or sort of reveling in the really beautiful imagery and i cannot wait to talk about the direction that's a thing i want to make sure that we talk about because holy crap it's one of the best staged episodes of television i've ever seen um 
So I want to talk about all of that. But I also laughed so much, despite the fact that this episode is deeply sad. I laughed a lot at Wally. Fuck Wally forever. <laughs> I laughed. I laughed at Werner when he said, maybe it's my kraut heritage. I was like, oh, you are terrible news. I don't know what your Why deal would you is. Say but say that oh my out God. loud? What the hell? Um, I laughed and laughed. Too I laughed soon, at buddy. Champ's incredible housewarming party. I lo- I love that Lodge 49 is so committed to just weird, random world building, like the golf cart coming by. And that's mm-hmm. a clear violation of the treaty and the woman with the fishing pole. I love all of this shit so much. So it was so nice to watch an episode that was this emotionally dense that still made room for jokes because God, there were some really satisfying jokes. I want to know, and maybe we should go to the direction next. So we give it at the time it needs, but I want to know how they found, how Jackie and Wally found the room because there's another door in there that we haven't found yet because they didn't find Cause like we see them later and there isn't a hole in the wall. <laughs> so they got into that room a different way and the it didn't seem like where Blaze ended up had a door into it, you know? Like so, so there, that tells me there is yet another secret door in that room that they have not yet found. This is the first episode where I was like, "Oh, okay, this is why they had that map." Because um I think it was Jim Gavin, somebody on the show was talking to me. I know I've told you guys this before about the map that they had of the, the detailed map they had of the lodge where all the rooms were and everything so that when they were staging it it was always really consistent. And I um, have always appreciated that because I think there is an incredible sense of place, but knowing that somewhere on that map is the tiny trap door and Dud pulled out every book <laughs> and then it's just there and he goes into the shoot. It was just glorious. Um, just what a great surprise. And yes, there's got to be another secret door. I'm betting it's somehow connected to the storage closet. Yeah, that mm. would track. Okay. Well, shall we uh, talk direction? Yeah, so the director is Althea Jones. Althea Jones? I'm guessing it's Althea. Althea Jones, she's Australian. Um, I have been doing some Googling since the episode finished, trying to figure out if she has a theater background, and it's a little tough to tell because that's what this felt like to me. This felt, and sometimes when people say theatrical, when they're talking about a cinematic medium, it's kind of a dig, which always pisses me off. But in this case, it's the best word for it because it the way that she transitions between time periods is how those transitions would happen in a play and it contributes to the surreality where i think there are so many good examples i think my favorite is liz walking through the hallway um as the scrolls are being photocopied um but there are but we obviously see lots of blaze there's that gorgeous shot of blaze watching um the two of them take what I'm guessing is LSD in their cocktails. Um, the, that's overhead. That's really beautiful. Um, there's the really incredible shot when we go from the full lodge to the deserted lodge, just following the chairs. I, I just was so impressed by the visual language, by the cleverness, by the atmospheric. But it's maybe the most atmospheric episode of one of the most atmospheric shows I've ever watched. Um, it's really something else. I cannot wait to see other stuff that she does because, wow, it knocked my socks off. Were you two as similarly as impressed? Yeah. Um, and one of the other things I want to call out is the um, the little um, 
like moving image scope, the slide projector thing that uh, she looks into at Lodge One, which harkens back to the panorama that uh, that we get in the premiere of this season. Uh, with Dud in the hospital bed and all those scenes going past him, um, which I thought was a really good three line. Um, regrettably, like I've I stopped watching uh, the other sh- one of the other American shows that she's directed, Dispatches from Elsewhere, um, right before her the episode that she directed for that. Um, but if there is a show based on this for her to direct, it was Dispatches for Elsewhere um, because that is a show that is also very much just sort of in this milieu um, and would be rewarded by these kinds of visual aesthetics. Um, I think we did like three or four episodes before we stopped for whatever reason. Um, but it has that same type of surrealism to it, that same kind of overlap and that same type of we're going to muck around with time and all those things that you mentioned, Allison, the theatricality type stuff is all things I responded to in this episode. Um, because like you, I always get really annoyed when people say something's theatrical in a, a, a um, whatchamacallit, in a derogatory sense, which I'm just like, yeah, I think that's just because you haven't gone to a lot of theater. <laughs> yeah, I think that's just because you don't know what the fuck you're talking yeah. about. Sorry, you have to bleep me, Kate, but it's worth it. <laughs> No, I'm on board. Definitely on board. Because um, it's just like, I'd like to love to see this subtle TV acting from, you know, 100 feet back. Can't can't hear you. You need to talk louder. <laughs> um, no one can see your eyebrows. Uh, anyways, uh, the, yeah, the time, the way that they handled the different time periods was really striking. I particularly appreciated Pesquazzi's performance as Blaze. Watching him watch this story was so comforting yeah. and beautiful. And he, like, you know, he doesn't have any dialogue. He's just a, a presence just there. But it's so... He, you can tell he, how honored he feels to be witness to it. And to, you know, he, he appreciates just how special that is and just how meaningful it is to read and be sh- given and shared with the uh, the story of just a person. And it's obviously someone with connections to something that he feels very strongly about. But it's something that I think when you grow up you know, I feel confident saying we all did, uh, reading like Anne Frank's diary, uh, in school and some of these other things. It's easy to take that for granted. Oh, it's just like, you know, the day to day of somebody's life, but that's a really beautiful thing. Um, and you could tell that he appreciated that and he appreciated, um, he had respect for that and not, Everybody would. Um, so, like you were saying, uh, Allison, like having him be the one that found it was really comforting and, and nice. And they captured that beautifully in his performance, but also just like, like you were saying, the blocking, the staging, where he is in the frame, the fact that it's very, he's he's always you can see him really clearly, but he's very still and um, and just active listening, but not moving, not distracting from anything else. Um, like he, if like he's almost like glowing, but if he was glowing, that would that would be drawing attention, and he's not doing that. So it just it, they did that really well with you know performance, lighting, timing, blocking, all of that. Uh, not to mention, I always you know just think of, I know it's acting one one, but just like it, I it one of the many reasons I don't think I would be a good actor is. Not, like not reacting to a person who's not there in your time period, but is there on frame, you know, <laughs> like all of that. So all the gimmicks and tricks of that, I thought worked really well um, throughout the episode. And it, it didn't, um, the, there is some level of like 
color change and like sepia or whatever there is a difference for the time periods but it's not a lot and it's it's pretty light uh, it's a pretty light touch so I appreciated how much they do respect the audience to follow what's going on and to not need a lot of hand holding on that because uh, it really it really contributed. It's mostly just like a saturation effect that they do really yeah. more than anything else. Um, so lights and everything are just a little bit brighter than they should be. But like you said, it's not distracting in any way, shape or form. It's just there to provide you one visual signal, basically, because that's really all you need, because it's really clear that these are very different time periods and settings, even when you're in the lodge itself. It's just like, there are so many more people here. (laughs) Well, I think something that helps with that, too, um, is like Pasquese caramantella's performance she plays jackie mm-hmm. oh yeah she's um, great is so rooted in what is happening even though jackie has this sort of um detachment from the people she's interacting with there's an intensity but also the sort of the only person where i'm like oh you're totally open is her few brief scenes with larry there's a difference in how she interacts with people but even when she trusts warner there's a there's a sort of remove yet I felt very um, intimately connected to her story. It was like, we were allowed in, but the people she was interacting with were not. And neither was this other world. It was very like you were pointing out, Kate, uh, the importance of just being focused on where you are as an actor and being grounded in that moment and not being aware of these other things that are happening outside you, whether it's a moving camera or it's Sonia Cassidy strolling behind you to Antarctica or whatever is <laughs> happening. Um, a, <laughs> a guy in a blindfold drunkenly stumbling down the hallway of Lodge One while Jackie just walks, no blindfold, just walks right through. Or, you um, know, you're passionately making out with someone and a lightning strikes and suddenly you're visible and then you're not visible anymore because you've got really good yep. mood lighting happening. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, just really marvelous. And I think that her um, focus is what makes that work because it's not a particularly showy performance you know there's no like big other than the scene at the end there's no big weepy scene her disposition is is pretty similar throughout um but i think that's part of what makes it so effective did you guys respond as well to her performances yeah and i think it's also really heavily complemented by the voiceover as well um which i know voiceovers are divisive and sometimes they're not used well but they're used well here um because it provides you a way to read into that stillness which is i think really important voiceover is often maligned because it is often terrible the amount of bad voiceover dramatically outweighs the amount of good voiceover my Um, name is oliver queen (laughs) no i Um, I still liked it every season now (laughs) <laughs> but um but but here it's really you know effective because if she was if she had to you know like this will connect it back to the flight attendant right and how all that mind pal stuff was not in the book and was new uh because like if we have to like sit there and watch her like she has that she has to act all the stuff that she's feeling as opposed to just act it like in, letting that be internal and conveying it so much more subtly um, it really changes the tone. It really changes the feel. So instead, so here's an example of that, but done really well, where we, she can just sit in stillness and observe and be reacting the way that Jackie actually would react if people could see her around these people in the lodge, because the voiceover is telling us what we need to hear to, you know, to finish that picture. Um, and it's it's very it's a, handled very deftly 
Yeah. Oh, well, I feel like we could talk about this episode for another 40 minutes and still have plenty to say, but we have to wrap up at some point. So is there anything else that y'all want to make sure we touch on? A lot of great brief performances. This is Scott Allen Kramer's best episode. I think he's so funny and so sad and um and RIP the longshoreman. Um Don Fab, man. <laughs> Don Fab. Oh man, get it together, Don Fab. <laughs> get it together. Don't you it's a big night. It's a big night. Um there are some other really Scott just I mean, doing whole full Ringo, angry Ringo energy, and I was there for it. Yeah. 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 Oh, and Connie being like, oh, that's amazing. I'm so glad for you. Like, like immediately the right response, um, exactly what he needed to hear, and just, I mean, speak so well of her, her reaction to all that. So, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Jeremy getting paranoid <laughs> because he ate a pot lemon bar was really something else there are drugs in this um just i can do whatever i want until i get but i have to be back by 10 30 (laughs) (laughs) um the other the one thing i did really really like um that we didn't mention that calls back to like this magical non-magical realism stuff is janet stealing her story in the way in which that has just completely collapsed liz which is not a connection i had drawn um but i really appreciated the show kind of being like this is what this is what's happening and sometimes i don't like that but here i'm actually really glad that they kind of draw that through line for us a little bit um since i feel like we're gonna see janet sooner rather than later um me too and i i like that reminder basically even if it feels more sort of plot expositiony it still feels really important to kind of contextualize everything that liz has gone through over the since like the first higher stakes um the orientation video for higher stakes, the sheriff of higher stakes. <laughs> I'm just kind of going through the motions and it seems to be working. <laughs> it's just such a big, big 2020 energy in 2019. <laughs> I agree. Any, anything else that we want to touch on? It's really good. You know, we did type up that the viewfinder thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and that also, of course, made me think of the painting of poor Jocelyn, because of course he was painted in the in Lodge One, standing next to the the that that thing that she, that the Jackie looks into, um, which then, as we were talking about, it just made me sad because it's like, yeah, he painted you, you 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 don't get to be in the story anymore. You have to stand next to it, and you can maybe look in through the viewfinder to see what's happening. And I was like, oh no, yeah. Scott, you jerk. <laughs> oh. Jocelyn. Poor Jocelyn. I hope he moves back. Just like that's my head canon yeah. is that he moves back to California and he just sets up shops. So he goes into business with Dud. They clean pools together. So it, Jocelyn, I feel like, could handle the books because <laughs> obviously Dud should not. Dud just cleans pools. Dud just keeps giving away free pool cleanings, though, and Jocelyn just <laughs> keeps getting so upset. <laughs> But he does accept lemons as currency. Though, yes, so. I would totally watch that. But up, but up, da da. Would watch God, it. Yes. The the path from lemons as currency to Bitcoin. Mm-hmm. Bitcoin to Jackie Loomis invented Bitcoin, and it was mm-hmm. stolen from her by Werner the the butthole. And all of this was super timely too, since Bitcoin like collapsed over the past couple of weeks. It's like completely not a thing anymore. Um. <laughs> yeah. Maybe that's a conversation for another time. Why don't we talk, look quickly at what our next episode title is? Allison, 
when we return on Monday, we're taking Wednesday off this week. Um, if you're watching the inauguration, happy inauguration! Yeah, let's. We're we're hoping for a really chill, pretty boring inauguration. Um, yeah. which we will be watching and or moving. Um, we will be talking about season two, episode seven, Exile. Ooh, exile. Okay, okay. Who's going into exile? Scott could easily exile. Ooh, ooh, maybe this is a Jocelyn episode. It's not going to be a Jocelyn episode, but I would love for it to be a Jocelyn episode. Who could Scott exile? Or maybe Scott is in exile. No, Scott's got too Scott's control too much power. I bet he like tries to ban uh, Dud and uh, Blaze for yeah. interrupting his song that was going to win Connie back. It's not going to win Connie back. It was a very good song, but it was not going to win her back. She has moved on. It was a very good song, but no, that was not going to happen. Um, I'm also going to go with Scott exile someone, but I think it's Ernie. Mm-hmm. I think Scott exiles Ernie. Okay. Uh, now that, even though the the Connie relationship is over, I think that there's just. Scott is uh, very insecure, obviously, painfully insecure. So the person who should be the sovereign protector being around is just not something that he is going to be cool with. Um, and then I'm also going to predict that this is the one where we get Janet. Okay. Where we get Janet back. I keep wanting to call her Janet Snakehole. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's not. She's not Janet Snakehole, but I. But we get Janet back. The Night Swimmer. <laughs> ah, just watch. That's going to end up being the title of an L. Marvin Metz book. The Night. I think. I think you're probably right. Well, the thing is, like, this is episode seven next. There's only four left. And <laughs> so we've, we've got to get Giamatti at some point, right? We've got to get, there's, like, and his a number of things show. that we know have to happen. So we're running out of episodes. Noel, do you have any predictions? Um, I like the Janet thing. I did, yeah, and I like the exile because, um, yeah, I'm not sure what else we could have apart from that. Or maybe we get an update. I'm going to call the dud goes to the doctor. I hope you're right. I hope you're right. I, hope, I want it to happen. I don't think Liz makes Dud go to the doctor. Yeah. Oh, maybe Bronson Pinshaw comes back from his FBI ah. exile and wants to know where his secretary is. His car. <laughs> and his car. Yes. And that she's still card. driving. <laughs> you know what, Liz? Respect. All right. Well, we will see what, if any of those things happen uh, when we return a week from today to talk about Lodge 29, Season 2, Episode 7, Exile. Until then, bye. 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 Bye.